to the Pretty Good People podcast. My name is Sean, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ben Kahn. Ben is a co-host on the Trillionaire Mindset, co-host on the Tiny Meat Gang podcast with the 8-Ball Special. He's an established trader in the stock market and a notable Vine star from back when Vine was a, a big deal. Ben, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I Even though you said you couldn't hear my air conditioner, I had to turn it off anyway. <laughs> I know you're good. I, I'm sure that my computer mic is picking it up oh boy doing okay another week in the books it's already august what the fuck i know dude um so yeah let's just let's kind of walk back to childhood let's 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 take it back from the beginning um tell us how you kind of got your start where you're from what was your childhood like growing up school all kind of all the way up until what you do now oh boy oh my God, um, boy, I had therapy yesterday. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I'm. I'm. Th- fuck. How old am I? Thirty four. <laughs> I'm thirty four. I'm. I'm. I live in Los Angeles. I'm from Long Beach, which is just south of Los Angeles. Um, it is the southernmost city in Los Angeles County, and. Uh, yeah, I, I had a very, I had a very middle class upbringing. Um, yeah, I don't even know. I by today's standards, I would call it middle class. By uh, I guess even by those standards back then, I was going to call it upper middle. But even then, nah, not really. But uh, I just. I I always had an interest in stocks from an early age because I saw my dad looking up stock prices in the newspaper and I thought it was interesting because I just saw all these tiny little numbers and I was like, what are you looking at? And he explained the concept to me and uh, it I, I was bit by the bug, but it didn't, it didn't, I wouldn't touch it until much, much later in life. Um, I had an interest in music growing up. I was, I played guitar, I played bass, I played drums. And uh, I always wanted to be a musician in a band because I thought that that was, I was always guided by what would get me girls. (laughs) Uh, Are we all? (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, oh man, being in a band is the way to go because it's the most attractive thing that you can do to to attract a, a woman. Um, and I, I maintained that goal for well into my 20s. And for me, I always thought, oh, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, I should learn. I'm, I'm going to trade. I want to learn how to be like doing to do stocks or whatever, because I know that I could be good at it because I was just cocky. And I thought, oh, I got that. I know how to do that. No problem. Yeah. Um, it's easy. How hard is it? It's it's psychology. It's it's. I, I have a good understanding of people. I have a good understanding of of everything. So I thought, oh, be a trader so that I don't have to work a normal job so that I can afford the freedom to pursue 
you know that xyz music yeah. pursue whatever because i always also wanted to do something in comedy and acting also just anything entertainment wise um so i i didn't open my first account though until i was about 18 or 19 i think it was it must have been 2008 or 2009 i was working full-time at this place in beverly hills and a guy that i worked with uh, I was talking to him about stocks and it was like at the very, very bottom of the, of the stock market drop, the housing bubble crash. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, why don't you open up an E-Trade account? And I said, I can do that. It's that easy. He said, <laughs> sure, go, go check it out. So I did. And that was back in the day when you had to pay commissions before Robinhood came along and I was paying Jesus Christ. I think back then the commission was like $10 per trade. Oh, so, yeah. So I'd pay $10 to buy a stock and then $10 to sell it. And, and then, oh man, I remember my first couple years. I mean, before the, the commission free thing caught on and became like endemic to the whole industry. I remember there were a couple of years where I was paying um can you still hear me when i lean oh down? yeah 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 i was paying tens of thousands of dollars a year in commissions and it made me sick to my stomach because Jesus i was paying, Christ. i was paying more in commissions than i was earning in profit yeah. so i kept thinking well this is great i'm just spinning my fucking wheel <laughs> at the end of the day i'm giving e-trade more money than i'm even making trading and then on top of that i gotta pay taxes on the what little profits yeah. i do uh everybody's got their hands out give, no me more, give me more everybody needs their their uh their cut of meat but so i stuck with it while working jobs and every paycheck i lived at home every paycheck i just squirreled away and whenever i could take out a big chunk and put it in my trading account i would because uh you as a as a poor trader you have to do battle with what's called the pattern day trade rule mm -hmm. and it is it was the bane of my existence for so long and it dictates that it's a $25,000 threshold so below if you have less than $25,000 in your account you are limited to three day trades per five day period then they lock you out and then they lock you out yeah um, and i was constantly like towing just above below above below above below and i would find myself repeatedly in situations where okay if i sell this position i will be violating the rule and i'll be fucked but if I hold on to it, I could be fucked. I was just like, okay, which one would fuck me more? I just can't. <laughs> and I didn't know about the, uh, the choice that, that basically I didn't know back then about what are called prop firms, which <laughs> is what I do now. And a prop firm is a company that takes your money and leverages it for you so that instead of just $25,000 that you're trading with your own money, you would deposit that $25,000 with them 
and they would give you 20 times the buying power which is fantastic and I, on 25 grand that's uh that's five hundred thousand dollars Jeez, how does that compare to like a hedge fund because i'm not like completely like a, a big guru when it comes to a hedge fund you are trading client money a hedge fund is is a fund where wealthy people give money to a fund and it's managed by a whole team of people and they take their management fees and they the goal is to make profits and they give it back to their investors with a prop firm it's only you it's you it's your money but they i mean it's technically yours and the company's money so there's no outside clients that you have to answer to it's gotcha. just so in this situation it would be okay i'm giving you guys my twenty five thousand dollars as that's your like deposit basically mm -hmm. and, um they just keep that, but they give you access to way more money to trade with. It's like a credit card kind of in a it's way. Like a credit card. And you pay uh, for that privilege, they take a cut. In my current case, the place takes 10% of my profits, which is fantastic. Which Absolutely. is not as bad as that $10 per trade commission that was way happening better. before. I mean, yeah. I still, I do pay commission, <clears throat> uh, but it's, you know, it's like half a cent per share or something like that. Oh, that's but, awesome. Um, so if I had known about that, I probably would have succeeded a lot quicker because constantly struggling and, and also, you know, you lose $5,000 on a $25,000 account, your buying power is now diminished significantly. Now you're down 20%. It, it fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. And whereas with with a prop firm, hey, you're down five grand. That's great. You still have 500 grand to play with. And it, it's psychologically so much easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. But then the, the thing with the prop firm is if you lose that $25,000, like you, you start from zero, essentially. And if you immediately lose 25 grand, they cut you off and they say, okay, that's as much as you gave us. We're not going to risk any more than that. Why would we? So please ins insert more coins. Um, so like currently I'm well in the black at my place, but if I were to get back down to zero, then I would be like, okay, now I've got my deposit. That's like my insurance and anything below that is on me. Um, so just as a quick thing for any aspiring trader out there, you should do the, the thing with it is you got to get a license. So I had to go through like two months of studying and then get, take the test and get licensed, but well worth it. And that was a turnoff to me back then. Cause I thought that's fucking lame. <laughs> that. That's stupid. I don't want to get, uh, it just felt like a scam and it's not, I wish I had done it sooner. Um, so in a roundabout way to answer your question, um, yeah, my upbringing was very normal and Southern California boy um, that was, I was attracted to the idea of making money with money and not having to work a normal job because nothing really appealed to me. Yeah, I kind of, we, we kind of touched on this briefly. I, I feel the, the same way with uh like working on cars is I didn't, I didn't go to college 
and get a degree for a, a certain thing. I just, when I turned 18, I kind of just decided, okay, well, what do you want to, what do you like to do? And I, I liked working on classic cars. I like the history of it. I like the, this car is only ever made once and I'd like to preserve it kind of mindset. And so going into like this kind of off field, just on, you know, it being something I like to do, uh, kind of led me to this point. I mean, I'm shooting a podcast, but I, I moved to California to pursue the dream of working on classic cars because the culture here is a lot more prevalent than it was back in North Carolina. And uh, my girlfriend, she just graduated from NC State as a fashion and textile management bachelor degree or whatever. And, you know, there's an ample amount of that here. So we just figured, you know, why not pick up and move out here? So kind of going back to the whole school aspect and the, the, the kind of the first category. Uh, so you, you said you've been here your whole life. You grew up in Long Beach. Did you go to school for financing? Or, uh... Christ. <laughs> so uh, kind of going back to the, the school aspect and the growing up in Long Beach, Southern California, um, going back to college, did you plan on doing this as like a career during your college, like during college and planning your career around your degree, or did it kind of just fall into place? Kind of like how I ended up falling into place. A little bit of both. I was doing it in college. I was like actively trading sometimes in class and still just kind of treading water, barely making a profit every year. Um, I was always kind of looking for the get rich quick stocks still like oh i'm trying to find the one that'll go up 20x which is not the way to do it <laughs> what was the the uh the pill that you put in your gas tank? oh that was way before <laughs> yeah shot in the gas that was, uh, <laughs> that was years earlier than that, unbelievably but um with college i was also working still at the at in that industry, I worked at a movie trailer studio. Uh, just, I had friends that worked there, they got me a job and I just kind of fell into that and thought, hey, this is a cool industry, might as well stay in it. And I might as well finish school since I'm in it. And I was getting a philosophy degree, which is useless, but I'm already here and I've already put in the time and the work. If I could go back, I wouldn't do it. Um, so I stuck it out, I finished, and then I just kept on working and kept on trading. And uh, eventually I got not only significantly better at trading, but I had a windfall when my, when my grandmother passed away and then I got some significant inheritance money Then I was able to actually trade for real because I had, well, I can like, really absorb losses like I wasn't able to before mm -hmm. really just like go for it and I went for it and I made a I think I 10x'd the money pretty much wow and uh just about and then quit my job at that point I the vine stuff had gotten me because I through college I was sticking around on vine and gaining gaining a little bit of a following there and uh I turned that into a job at BuzzFeed back when it was still somewhat relevant. <laughs> and they, they were 
offering a good salary at like 75k a year and I thought oh fuck yeah more than I've ever made in a job before and I really liked the work it was it was a nine to five and every other job that I'd had before then in in post-production in the trailers was like you never knew when you were going home it was just you show up at nine and then you or sorry 10 to 5 was the BuzzFeed job and Trailer House was like show up at 9 and then hope that you get off at a reasonable hour and it rarely was it was like you're there till 8 you're there till 10 till 1 in the morning terrible and uh yeah so I was at BuzzFeed for three years trading the whole time there too um I would since the market is open here at 6 30 and then closes at 1 I would pretty much trade until one and then do my actual job. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody knew like my team and my boss bosses, and they just didn't care. Cause it was like, I still get my work done and it's great. And I'm, you know, there's no problem. So then when I eventually got to the point where the Buzzfeed job was getting in the way of trading and there were instances where, the commute to work cost me money. Wow. Like, oh, if I had been home, I would have made this trade. Or if I hadn't had to get ready and go to work, you know, I wouldn't have had to, um, you know, oh, that cost me $5,000 just now. Fuck. Well, <laughs> I should quit my job. <laughs> I was really torn about it. And they, they, um, were willing to like offer me a little bit more money and I just said no I don't want to do it anymore so I'm gonna strike out on my own and I did and that whole time I kept thinking I still want to do this is the the pitfall of doing trading is it takes a long time to get good at it and in that time I sort of forgot the original goal of doing music and doing creative pursuits and it was like trading became the 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 main focus which is something that i had to contend with many times because it's like whoa is this what i wanted no it's not but i've also grown up a little bit and i guess my goals have become sort of more rooted in reality and i don't really do those things anymore but i would like to in some capacity and that gave way to what I do now, which is the podcast, which is kind of the perfect mix between the things that I wanted to do creative. It's creative. It's, it's a creative outlet. Rather, I get to make jokes and I get to talk about stocks. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, this is only episode six, but it's kind of something that I've picked up as well. I mean, like I said, I've always loved working on classic cars, but I've never been a great speaker like when it comes to public speaking or speaking in front of a camera and like me, like everybody else, I hate listening to my voice on a camera and on an audio. Oh, you get used to it. But just over these past six episodes, I mean, I've, I've definitely feel like I've come a little ways and uh, it's, it's been a great thing. And I, I really do enjoy it after it, you know, it gets rolling for a little bit and you can get a little more comfortable and just having a conversation rather than like sticking to the outline. Um, it really becomes a great thing. And, I just uh, recently started another one with a buddy back home where we just kind of catch up week to week because he lives a very interesting life. I mean, he's going to be going down to Peru for a couple months and living down there and just kind of traveling the world. So me living over here and him kind of traveling, we just decided, hey, why not just once a week catch up and 
you know, shoot the shit. So it hasn't been a really good thing. And with the trillionaire mindset, you know, I listen to you guys weekly at work and you guys are hilarious and just, it, you know, it's, it's a great platform to kind of just get all the jumbled thoughts you have up here and totally is. And yeah. It's Wait, where do you thing. are? Do you work at a garage? Yeah. So I, I live here in Huntington beach, just moved here um, this past May and I work at a shop here um, local to Huntington beach. Do you so like we, it? Yeah. Oh, I, I love working on classic cars. I just, I, I always feel myself wanting to do like more and more. And so yeah. kind of jumping onto this podcast is one of those things, but yeah, I mean, we work on, mostly classic american and i've done that since i was 18 just work i do paint and body work and um yeah i it's, uh, it's just something i love to do i mean it's not it's not something that everybody does and like i said preserving history and it's 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 an art formal kind of in itself where you know making sure the car looks great and uh, i'll send you some pictures and videos of stuff that i've done my little um, brother lives down in costa mesa the one you just oh called. really and he's uh, he's got a sixty, I want to say a sixty-one Lincoln, nice. super long, and uh, it's pink. It's the, the original paint. Continental. But, you know, what's that? Is it a Lincoln Continental, like the Suicide Door? No, okay. I don't think it's a Continental. Um, but it's longer than the Continental. I know that. Like the one I know what one Jeez. is. Yeah. It, it's older than that. Wow. Uh, and then he's got, got a he's got a truck maybe the truck is a 61 the lincoln might be a 50 something but um he the 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 fact that it's old and beat up looking is part of the the allure there's a patina name. yes that that's something i love around here is that these cars are just they drive every, like people just drive classic cars especially here in huntington beach there's always vw buses or buggy like you know beetles or whatever and there's just these old cars driving around we're back home in north carolina it's like it's not too common unless there's like a car show happening but here it's just like a culture and it's yeah. something i really like big car culture in huntington there's a there's a car show like every year i think there and in um seal beach mm -hmm. which is, you know you know where seal beach is by now yeah um yeah um speaking of cars you just picked up a, a pretty yeah. neat, sweet ride i picked up an 84 uh volvo 240 and i was it's funny because they're apparently really easy to work on mechanically but you just need the right tools um, yeah and you need to be able to raise lift it up and stuff so i need to try to entice my brother to do some stuff on it with me eventually if it needs to be done um like something like the timing belt would be probably really easy i was watching a video and it's like well this is pretty straightforward you pop that thing off you take that thing off you do that you replace that washer and you put it on you tension it and <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah. uh because I think the timing belt on that is like a seven or eight hundred dollar job. Oh god, I can't even imagine. Like, there's a famous saying, kind of in the car world, where it's just all you got to do is blank. All you all you got to do is just take this. No, it is never just all you got to do is take this out because it's just one thing leads to another, and what was supposed to be a four hour job turns into like a day and a half. Yeah. Well, that's it. <clears throat> yeah, as an amateur, but yeah, the professionals, you know, they'll knock it out because. 
the the beauty of a 240 this particular model is that it's been around for so long and had a run for like 25 years of of manufacturing that just about every problem that you could have has already been experienced by a hundred other people. So mm -hmm. every single issue is well documented. There's solutions. There's like you'd be hard pressed to have a problem with that car that someone else hasn't already had and fixed and has the answer to. Um, there are certain fuses and stuff that are being harder, harder and harder to come by. That I think, yeah, I'm gonna need my mechanic to sit me down and tell me like. Okay, you should go out and buy this and just try to always source whatever just to have like the air yeah. meter i guess is one that could get gunked up and then you got good luck finding a new airflow meter for an <laughs> but yeah. i like uh i like driving it so far it's the guy who sold it to me is a, a fucking asshole because <laughs> i mean i bought it sight unseen off of an auction website and it's kind of at your it's kind of up to you as the buyer to ask questions and like they don't necessarily they can be forthcoming but it's it's on them to put in every single detail so like he posted a video of uh of the car running and there was there was a little bit of a whistle sound it was like a like a constant whistling sound and I asked, like, hey, what's with that whistling sound? And he said, oh, that's the the rear driver's side door has, like, a squeak. And he said, don't worry, I sprayed some silicone aerosol in there, and it doesn't squeak anymore. And then he, I asked if the AC blows cold. And he said, oh, yeah, it blows, it blows cold, just not as cold as before they did the switch to the new refrigerant. So I thought, okay, well... How cold is cold? Like, can you, so I asked him, can you take a video or a picture of, you know, measuring the air coming out, the temperature of the air? He said, sure. And he showed me and it was like, you know, 50 something degrees. And I said, okay, great. And I don't remember what other questions I asked him, but I asked him just a couple. And uh, when I picked up the car, driving it back home and the temperature gauge is like starting to rise. Oh no. And I haven't driven a 240 in years as my like daily car. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm not familiar with anything. So I text him. I'm like, Hey, the temperature gauge is going up. What's the deal? And he said, Oh, that's actually really normal for a 240. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's just, you know, and then it kept, and then I had the AC on too. And he said, well, the AC and the alter, it's like a bunch of things are powered by the alternator. Whereas, new later model cars don't have this so that's why your temperature is rising and it got all the way up just under red so i sent him another picture of the thing and i said are you sure that this is normal for the car oh because like dude you <laughs> tell me right now so i can pull over and not overheat this thing in, yeah. like, as soon as i get it he said yes it's normal like don't worry about it i drove it in the texas heat with the ac on full blast plenty of times it's fine I said okay and it ended up being fine then I'm uh, I, I'm at Trader Joe's and I come out and I notice a scratch on the on the on the uh, rear driver's side door that I knew wasn't there when I picked it up. So I was just sharing it with him, like, "Damn, look at this! Someone already fucking scratched it. Can you believe it?" And he said, "Well, that sucks." 
And then the other day, the podcast studio showing it off to the team. And I noticed that there's all these really fine, it looks like it's been driven up against a, a shrub, just scratched all along the side, but you can only see it at like a certain angle. So I'm tripping out because I'm like, was that there before? Did I do that? How the fuck did this? So I'm like, okay, I want to ask. The, I know I'm bugging the guy at this point because it's already been sold to me. It's The title has been transferred. It's all over. But I wanted to know just for my own sanity if that was there before. And at the same time, it's like, hey, dude, you should have disclosed that there's all sorts of like streaks on the, and again, very, very, very fine that you can only see in the sunlight. But I texted him and I said, hey, just, I, I'm not being accusatory or anything, but like, and I sent pictures and I said, were these here before or did I do this? Cause I'm going crazy here. And he said, dude, I'm sick of answering questions about the car. I sold it to you. It's yours. Anything you need to fix, you fix it like whoa you've been asking me repetitive <laughs> questions you've been asking me repetitive questions about this thing since day one and i wrote i almost just said like oh fuck you <laughs> shit. but then i just was like all right you know i said wow that really sucks of you i'm just asking a really simple question yeah. you know, i uh didn't think that the things that I asked before were repetitive. I just, this was information that I'm doing my due diligence because I'm buying a car from you from 300 miles away. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. And then <laughs> so since then I, I took it to, uh, I took it to an auto detailer and he said, Oh yeah, I could buff that out. And he put some wax on it and buffed it with his machine and it looked like it worked. But then when I got home, I saw it again in a different light and it's still there. And I think it's just something that's going to be, Hey, it's just part of the car. And I know that in a, the, since it's the original paint job, I just shouldn't even fuck with it. And like the patina might end up just being, making it even more valuable. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of shitty of that guy just to kind of tell you to fuck off. But I guess at the same time, like, dude, yeah, you sold me the car. And if he keeps answering questions, he's probably thinking there's no telling how many more questions this guy's got. I want him to just fuck off so I can keep living my life. I sold you the car. Bye. But like, I get it. But also be cool, dude. It takes two seconds to answer a question. Yeah, yeah. man. No, those scratches were there. And I didn't, I didn't explicitly disclose it. I thought the pictures spoke for themselves. Sorry. You know, tell me that. Yeah. Well, kind of going back, back on track off of the Volvo talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could talk about cars forever, but um, going back to the the then section, what is something that you could have that you wish you would have told yourself, or that, so what is something that you would tell yourself um, when you were eighteen? Like, what's a piece of advice that you would tell your eighteen-year-old self? Knowing just all that you do now. General just, advice? Just general advice. Uh, I would say to my 18-year-old self, do not worry about women <laughs> until you are 30. Focus on yourself and sock away your money. Uh, don't try to get rich quick. I mean, other than the obvious, like buy Bitcoin, you know, 
as soon as you hear about Bitcoin, put all your money into it and be very, very careful about how well you hide the keys or whatever. Um, yeah, I would say don't worry about women because, I mean, that's been a bane of my existence for most of my 20s. It's just like being concerned over relationships and it's like just, it's not the end of the world. Just relax, dude. Because uh, I've put so much of my self-worth and stuff tied up into relationships that didn't pan out. And that ravaged me, um, which is not a unique story to me. I mean, everybody's gone through that. But I would say, yeah, don't worry about that. And um, I would encourage myself to, to, ironically, in trying to get rich quick and do the shortcuts to making money with trading, that ended up actually costing me more time and money in the long run because if I had just done the right things from the start, I would have been much wealthier, which really is another hard thing to kind of reconcile with because it's like, whoa, I, I just hope that the things that led me to the path that I'm currently on will eventually pay off in their own right and will lead me to the um, modest wealth that I hope to achieve so that I can finally kick my feet up and fully relax, which has always been the goal is just to not have to stress myself out working and stuff. I just want to, at this point, I just want to, I'm treating trading like a job and not a means to an end. Um, that is, I'm not treating it like, I got to get rich now. <laughs> I'm treating it like, okay, if I treat this with the respect and careful consideration and discipline that it deserves, I can make a healthy six-figure-a-year salary and survive off of that and do it consistently. And I'm eventually going to, now marrying that with the podcast, I now have an audience. And this audience knows me and trusts me and I'm eventually going to open a trading chat room where people would pay like a monthly subscription. And, you know, that would be a nice passive income. And with all of that, I hope to like finally buy a house and just chill and not, which would probably improve my trading even more because then I'm not making stupid decisions. I mean, mm -hmm. stupid, stupid decisions, but. Yeah, I, I guess I would just tell myself to relax, calm down. You're going to have plenty of time and um, your perspective is going to change every few years. So don't act like what you're feeling now is forever because it's not. It'll all work out. It'll all work out. And um, yeah, just fucking relax is a, is a big one. Not that I was just really high strung and chicken with my head cut off kind of thing, but it was definitely, I definitely was worried about the future a lot. Yeah. I mean, as any kind of young person, you know, kind of like 18, 18 years old, kind of like how I, the question, um, it is like a big point in your life where there's a lot of change happening. It's kind of why I like to ask that question of just like, Hey, what's a piece of advice knowing all that you know now, well, what would you tell your younger self? I think that's a, an important part to reflect on because it, I mean, you said it great, just, you know, it'll all work itself out. It's not like it's the end of the world. If something doesn't go your way, it's, 
there's plenty of time and it'll all work out. Nothing is ever permanent. Nothing is ever uh, not fixable. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of touching back on that, that now segment, um, I know you touched on like the podcast and um, trading, but what are some things that you have going on now and things that you've accomplished so far? And what are some goals that you have accomplished that you previously set for yourself at a younger age? Well, I'm making a living at trading for one. I, wow, that's a tough dude. That's a good question. Uh, Thank you. I'm making a living at trading. I uh, still could do some work in the creative department. Uh, you know, I still, the last videos that I put out there, I made these uh, succession parody videos that really, really went like viral, which was really cool because that reignited a creative, the creative side of me in a way that I hadn't experienced in a long time. And it reminded me that I still have it and that I still um, am capable of being funny and writing well and shooting well and editing well. And that's like this whole part of me that I felt like in many ways I had grown out of and it had just died. And, and I felt like kind of a poser or a fraud if I were to claim any kind of creative artistic part of my personality would be like, yeah, well, what have you got to back that up with you? All you do is stops now, you know, but so doing that a couple of times, I, I did two of them the last couple of years and they were very involved and I had to, you know, wear wigs and makeup, and, <laughs> uh, lipstick rather, and, and costume changes. And, you know, there's a whole marathon of shooting and then editing and putting it out there. And, you know, that, even though it's only two videos, it was still like, that's something that I'm proud of that, Hey, I still got that side of me because after Vine, you know, I hadn't really done much in the way of putting straight up content out online. Um, so that's a goal that continues to be, that that's never, you're never, finished with it it's just a constant like hey you gotta do more you gotta make more you gotta write more and um that's one drawback to doing trading is you become so comfortable that you're like i'll get around to it i got time yeah the fatal once, flaw yeah which is at once great yeah that's a healthy attitude but there's no there's no fire under your ass it's up to you to light that fire and there's mm -hmm. no sense of urgency of being like broke to to help push that along and you kind of have to manufacture it yourself artificially and that can be tricky and I'm, I, I need to get better about that work on that because you know you you also just like oh well I got my life to live and I want to go out and do stuff and I want to yeah I got a relationship and everything and it's like dude you gotta gotta remember that the other stuff that you still want to do that you need to sit down and do so that's one that remains elusive and I need to be better about, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm in a, you know, when I was younger, I guess I imagined that by this age, I would be a fucking multimillionaire with a house and a wife and a couple of kids, but 
it doesn't happen. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't happen overnight. No, and yeah. It's just one of those picture-perfect things. Well, as you get older, too, you become a little more, you become way more selective because you're like, okay, clock's winding down. I need to be, make 100% sure that I'm making the right decision about who I partner with and what we're going to do. Because if I get it wrong, I'm going to be, you know, I don't have the, the um, I don't have the benefit of time like I did before. So like, well, oh, well, I got time, you know. Do you read a lot? Not anymore. Because <laughs> I never read ever. And only in like the past month did I really kind of pick it up because I, I, I saw it as like a, a self-discipline thing where I used to say, fuck books. I'm not going to read them. They're for nerds. And then like I kind of stepped back for a second and did a little bit of research, asked some friends and uh, just picked up a book that I think would suit me best. And there's one that I read recently that kind of goes over like your your 20. They call it um, it's the defining decade is the book. And it kind of goes. Oh, yeah, like, I know. I have it. I never read it. I would highly recommend it because I just got through reading it. And for somebody who not like you're at a standstill, I mean, you're doing plenty of great things, but just as like a, an all around book of assessing where you're at and where you want to go and how to kind of organize yourself to achieve those goals, I would recommend it to anybody. I mean, doesn't matter who you are in your twenties, thirties, or even if you're still in high school, I think it's like an amazing book and I'm not a book guy. I mean, I've read, three books in my entire life <laughs> like three or four books i know like i i never read but i've read them all in the last month and it's just something i've i've tried to keep myself on track of reading those books and like i i suck at reading retention like i've got like a wicked adhd kind of thing where i just i hop skip around and i i kind of feel as if it's like trying to focus on the milliseconds of a stopwatch while trying to do something else like it's and uh reading a book and just putting all the distractions aside and focusing on that one thing, I felt like has really helped me much like how I think kind of like the, the trading treehouse, like you mentioned, will help you. I think, I mean, the podcast, I think is going to do great things for you. I mean, you guys have been shooting it for almost a year now. Almost. And uh, it's, I mean, I, I go back and I listen to like the first, like I was getting nervous about this episode. So I'd go back and I listen to like the first episode of trillionaire and then kind of try to compare myself to that. And just from there till now, I mean, you guys have just blossomed into this like fantastic, fantastic podcast. And I, I, I really do enjoy listening to it. And uh, I think it'll go great places as well as your trading treehouse. I um, hope so. Discord, I, I definitely want to hop in on that. I think you have some really insightful information when it comes to trading. Thank you. And um, yeah. Um, so kind of hopping back into that now category kind of getting back on the the outline that I said I wanted to avoid, but I can't help but <laughs> stick to. Um, yeah. What is a risk that you were unsure of originally, but glad you took and which did you regret? Uh, the risk that I was unsure of was quitting my job and the security therein um, to strike out on my own trading. And I'm very, very glad that I did that because uh, yeah, I would have just, I mean, I probably eventually would have quit anyway, because that I was just, I was happy at the job, but I, I was very, I was feeling very unfulfilled and like I was just clocking in and doing, you know, 
doing the work and then leaving and just like me. Um, what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. Uh, what is a risk that you were unsure of originally, but glad you took and what do you regret? I regret not being more careful with my money when I made a bunch of it. I regret not buying a house when it was very, very comfortable for me to do because I still, even with like nearly $2 million, I felt like I, I felt like a scarcity mindset. I felt like, Oh no, this is uh that's way too risky. I'm going to, I wouldn't be able to afford a house. And it's like, dude, yes, you could have. Like, why didn't you fucking do that? And because then, it's, you know, mortgage rates have tripled and um, the cost of the houses that I was looking at at the time have gone up like 20%, 30%. So definitely wish that I had fucking done that differently. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no sense in thinking. I mean, not that there's no sense in thinking about the past. I mean, there's always um, tools and kind of seeing what you did wrong and changing those. But the, the important part is changing those now and um, how you're going to grow from those failures, which kind of leads me to the next question. Um, it's kind of a two-parter is what, what's been your biggest failure and what has been the most important lesson that you've learned so far? That can be general life, yeah, professional, yeah, yeah. whatever. I mean, I've had a, several failures that are right up there. Um, staying in a couple of relationships way past their expiration date were big failures. And the lesson that I learned was that uh, you got to do the painful thing to fucking continue. And you can't stay in uh, a comfort zone just because you're scared of being uncomfortable, you know, and that can apply to many things, relationships, jobs, where you're living. And then the other biggest failure was a money one where I, you know, I overstayed my welcome similarly to overstaying your welcome in a relationship uh, or holding past an expiration date, holding on. I did that with this one stock and I gave back a lot of money and uh, I was blinded by a little bit of ego and a little bit of uh, denial and a little bit of, um, yeah, I would just say denial and, and ego. And uh, yeah, those things, I now hope that I'm well-equipped enough to avoid in the future. Uh, not only to not put myself in those positions to begin with, but if they go south on me, I like to think that I have the discipline and the power to do the right thing for me no matter how difficult painful. yeah i mean self-discipline success sprouts from self-discipline i think i mean i'm only 22 turning 23 this month but you know self-discipline is something that anybody of any age can really benefit from and kind of like you said with leaving your job stepping outside that comfort zone is one of the scariest yet best things that anybody can do um it, it, if you if you sit there in your comfort zone you don't get to you don't get to see what it's like on that other side of the fence you don't get to you know you, you'll never know what it's like and that's where a lot of the regret comes in well that's uh, where the growth comes from is getting yeah. out of the comfort zone yeah well yeah like regret 
I've kind of worded that poorly, like regret by staying in the comfort zone where you jump out of your comfort zone is where you grow. And when those, when, when you have those failures is the best, best, best way to, to learn. And, um, yeah, it all starts with self-discipline and stepping outside that comfort zone, which I encourage anybody to do. If there's something that you want to try and you're scared to do it, just try it. I mean, what's the, what's the way it out? What's the worst that could happen? I mean, if it's like, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, other than like the, if you, if it's that, then probably don't do it, but you know, if you're smart enough then weigh it out and, you know, take those chances. Life's about taking chances. Exactly right. Well, I kind of want to close it on like the, the, the then section is I've got like this then now then form that I like to use and the then being the second then being your future. And what do you ultimately want? How do you plan on achieving that goal? And what are you doing right now to set yourself up for success? Well, uh, the podcast has been a major gift in my life that uh, I didn't have a little over a year ago. And it has opened up a world of possibility to me that I I just didn't, I mean, I always wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't have the means or the network to make it happen. So Cody and Noel giving me this shot has been huge. So I still have a bit of a, because it's such an unconventional line of work, it feels like it could end at any moment. And um, people could just suddenly stop caring and watching and listening, which is weird because, I mean, the same, you could apply that same logic to a job. I mean, you could get fired, your company could go under, any number of things could happen. So I don't know why I'm choosing to still view podcasts as like a really new age kind of weird thing. Cause I mean, they, we employ, we, they employ like, we have editors and producers and stuff and that's their full-time job. And it's like, it is a career path now. Boom, it's there. And because I'm a little older, it still feels like it's not real. Still feels like it's not sustainable. And it is, and I'm just accepting that and I'm just along for the ride. And my goal is to grow it into whatever it might whatever it can grow into, whether that's eventually getting on CNBC as like a fucking anchor because I have, you know, I I can talk stocks and, uh, you know, got the fan base there to prove that I know what I'm doing uh, or growing the chat room and continuing to grow my trading skills. I just hope to grow this whole thing to as big as it can be and start other podcasts i would love to do i mean it's why we're doing the eight ball thing where it's not related to stocks at all i would love to continue doing that go on other shows and you know just be a fucking podcaster which is now a job very viable job so i want to do that i want to build out whatever this is to its fullest extent and buy a house and maybe have a couple kids and dogs and that's it (laughs) all i want and to be able to surf every day that's it there you go dude i mean i couldn't have said it any better myself that's just like uh that's kind of like the the long-term goal is just having something that you do that's passion driven it's not just a paycheck punch in punch out but just something that 
you you can wake up and you're like i'm excited for today i'm excited to podcast i'm excited to work on that classic car i'm excited to drive my classic volvo to the grocery store and you don't have to you have that stress of am i going to get fired today how am i going to do this it's having that passion so strong for what you do that ultimately whatever happens will happen and you're okay with that but you of course you want it to be you know successful and if you if you work hard and you're passionate about what you do there's nothing but prosperity that would come from that right i think i think you're a great example of that which is why i really wanted to talk to talk to you because you know you you do have and when you listen to like the trillionaire mindset there's such like a a force behind your voice when you talk about the stock market when you talk about you know news and trades or different things of that nature it it has really grabbed my attention kind of like what this whole podcast is about you know having people in the pursuit of happiness um like i'll interview i've interviewed a friend of mine who plays football at ohio state and he wants to be in the nfl and talking to him about his past and how he got there and then a buddy of mine who's starting to do comedy and you know how that's like a kind of a not everybody does comedy but taking that risk and just getting up on stage and well, I really wanted to have you on here because you, you've got a little bit more of experience under your belt and being able to pass it along to people. I think it's very important. And I, I'm very, very, very happy that I was able to get you on this podcast. I'm very thankful for it. Hell yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, I kind of want to, I want to close this whole deal off on, on two questions and one being what does success mean to you? And the second, what makes you a pretty good person? Oh boy. I know that it's the second one's always like kind of a stump, but it's like kind of ties with the name of the podcast. So success to me means uh, being happy, healthy, comfortable, able to live a modest life and have all your needs met. That's success. Um, and what makes me a pretty good person I mean, I like to think that I've got a generous heart and I'm kind and um, I like to think that I'm a good friend and I, I'm a good brother and a good son and I, that I do my best to always improve and better myself and hold myself accountable and uh, reflect on my actions often and take whatever lessons I can from them and try to implement whatever I need to, to get better as time goes on, because it is a practice that never gets perfect. And um, being easy on myself too, I think makes, makes me a pretty good person because being mean to yourself, that ain't going to do it. That's right. Well, cool. I, uh, I re like I said, I really do appreciate having you on this podcast and you, you taking time out of your day. I know you're a, a busy man, but taking an, you know, an hour or so to hop out. And I mean, it, it means the world to me and you're very welcome and uh, keep doing the podcast. I'm looking forward to the, the trading tree house. You know, I, I love the, the podcast. It's just a, it's so great. And you guys are doing it. You guys are doing a fucking awesome thing. So that's what we love to hear. And uh, well, cool close this out um plug all your social media any upcoming events and where people can find you 
And uh, I got no upcoming events, but you can <laughs> find me if you just Google Ben Khan, C A H N, you'll find the podcast and me and all the wonderfully embarrassing things that I have on my that <laughs> you can discover if you so choose Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and all that good stuff, YouTube. Sounds good. Ben, thanks again. I really do appreciate you and uh, keep doing great things and pick up that uh, pick up that Defining Decade book and let me oh, know yeah, how it goes. I'll have to take it out of my closet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy.